Hello, and welcome to the Steve Barkley Ponders Out Loud podcast. Instructional coaches and leaders create the environment that supports teachers to continually imagine, grow, and achieve. They model an excitement for learning that teachers in turn model for students. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the important aspects of instructional leadership. Thanks for listening. I'm thrilled you're here. Increasing teacher and student success with goals. I've had the opportunity to join today's guest on her podcast, and today we're switching roles. Corey Camp is the Director of Professional Development for Sibme and the host of the Sibme Coach Replay Show. Corey has been an educator for 16 years, worked as a teacher and an instructional coach. She's had leadership roles at the campus, district, regional, and state level. Her work today with Sibme provides opportunities for her to be on the cutting edge of technology while working with innovative educators all over the globe. Welcome, Corey. Hi, Steve. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be in the other seat this time around. <laughs> it's kind of I'm, fun. So. I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. So I wonder for uh, starters on our topic here, if you'd share some of the experiences you've had as a teacher using goals with your, your students, using goal setting with your students. Yeah. So the ultimate experience, Steve, I am a former special educator. So, you know, our work with our, with the students that we support uh, in special education is all about goals. We create those individualized goals for their IEPs. They are measurable and time bound and objective and all of those pieces. I realized, though, pretty quickly that even though I could craft a great goal that met all of the parameters for uh, an IEP goal expectations, standards-based and all of those pieces, that I really still struggled with making progress towards those goals because it wasn't me. It was the student's goal. It wasn't my goal. It was the student's goal. And so the biggest aha for me came when I started involving my middle schoolers, I taught middle school at the time, in their own goal setting and and progress monitoring. And so with my students, they would have a chart, we'd find a way to, how are we going to measure our progress? What evidence are we going to see? And then we together kept track of their goals. The year I began doing that, I was teaching resource, which is a pull out uh, class for ELA for my students. Over half of the students in my classroom uh, shifted from being needing a pull-out resource service to inclusion the next year because they made such tremendous progress on their goals. So goals have been a huge part of my life, not only in my profession, but in my life um, as I think about, you know, making progress, the change I want to make as an individual, as a professional, and in the individuals I support as well. I want to go back to the success that your students had and the statement that you made that they no longer needed to be uh, in the program. And as I heard you say those words, 
I'm wondering to what extent that was the academic learning outcomes that they made, but I'm wondering if it was also an element of what they learned about goal setting, what they learned about tracking their own behaviors. If, if there's not a connection there that they actually took those skills forward with them. Yeah, I think it's so they they were still in special education, but they they required a less intensive level yeah. of specially designed instruction. Um, but I think absolutely, Steve, I think it it was very much this kind of snowball effect of they're able to have more agency. My students learned yep. self-advocacy. They learned, we talked about the particular disabilities that they had been identified with and what that means for how their brain functions and what they identified, how that's manifesting with themselves. My background is in psychology. So I've always been tremendously interested in the brain and how it works and what motivates us. And I brought that into, into my classroom as a way to help my students find interest or understand why Mrs. Camp is repeating that same thing again and again and again, (laughs) because the more times we hear it, the more opportunity it has to make deep neural pathways. And I do think that was a big part of my students' success is it wasn't just me and a team who meets, you know, after hours or over a conference period to talk about that student and what we think they need to be able to do based off of what we've seen. But I was involving the student in their own learning, but we started connecting that to their behaviors, to the specific things. So before we would, I would do weekly progress monitoring with some of my students, for example, on uh, fluency. And so before we would take that fluency assessment, we would look at, okay, how did you perform last week? What are some things you need to remember, right? To breathe, to pause, to take a second to look at the word if you're not sure, you know, whatever it was that that particular student needed based off of their patterns of behavior. And then they would do the assessment. And that just like little bit of let's pause and think about where we left off last time and what we want to accomplish today, breaking it into smaller chunks really did seem to be the kind of secret sauce that worked for a lot of my students. So I'm wondering then when you moved from a classroom teacher to um, uh, working as an instructional coach, how did you uh, how did you carry the goal setting and use of goals into into that role? So coaching is is such an interesting role to take on, and I'm still learning so much as a coach. I definitely made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. I wasn't formally trained as a coach. I had a lot of misconceptions as to what a coach is or is supposed to do. But I did catch on pretty early that just like my middle school students, my teachers needed a level of um, agency in the work that we were doing. It wasn't wasn't a great fruitful experience for me to come in and observe whether that was planned or not planned and then say, here are some things that I saw that, you know, you might do differently. Which of these do you want to pick? And let's work on it. I didn't get a lot of engagement that way. Um, But when I was able to sit down with my teachers and talk about the things that they wanted to work on, and then how do we get them to that point? It it was all about goal setting. So not all of my coaching 
involves goal setting, some of the lighter coaching activities where I'm just needed for a quick moment or they're reaching out for a resource. When I'm diving into those coaching cycles, that is the driving force. That's kind of our roadmap for the the entire cycle. It identifies what stages of the cycle we're in, where we're moving forward, uh, where we need to step back just a little bit and reevaluate. Um, it's definitely a big part of that. And I, I'm big just the same way that I taught my students to think about their behaviors and and to help identify what's the how we're going to know we're making progress, how we're going to know we're getting there. I do the same thing with the teachers that I work with as well. So it really clicks that the students owned the goal, not you, the teacher. So mm-hmm. now in your coaching role, the teacher owns the goal and not you, the the, yeah. the coach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the other part of it is, is again, remembering from my special education work, goals need to be measurable, challenging, but attainable. So thinking about, all right, is this a manageable goal? And, you know, maybe the end goal isn't manageable, but there's a small step towards progress that we could make that is more manageable, helping the teacher kind of break it down as well is a big part of of that kind of goal setting process. Yeah. I'm real big on, on that progress word, but if I can get, if I can get the teacher to define what progress would look like and sound like, okay, I know know where you want to go now, what will progress look like and sound like? So that, that, that becomes our rewards us just the way it rewards the kids when they see they're making Mm -hmm. their progress. And you and I have talked about progress before in kind of the idea of, how we think about goals in that they they aren't just kind of this hard fast thing like you're going to do this and we're going to identify the next best thing that you can do to get there and it's going to work but really thinking about goals as a hypothesis right yeah. what is our hypothesis what do we think if we introduce this variable what impact do we think that will have and that is a whole mindset shift. I mean, you and I have talked about that before um, in our previous conversations and how that just kind of helps one, make it feel more manageable, but two, it also helps us think about it as an iterative process, the path towards a goal. There's many pathways and some are going to work. Some are going to be the right path. Some are going to be more treacherous. Some are going to not feel as good. And while we've set a goal, how we get to that goal might take some thinking and rethinking and, and iteration along the way. That's part of my description of why I'm big on pushing, defining teaching as a profession. Because it, when you work in professions, you work in an area that is, in effect, partly experimental. So a doctor's experimenting with patients, an attorney's experimenting with a case, and a teacher's experimenting with learners. Knowing all the best practice research is where you want to start, but it actually is partly a hypothesis <laughs> until I, I until I see until I see what happens with it. In this profession of ours, it's such high, it's so high stakes. There's so much urgency there that it's difficult sometimes for our educators to accept that to to give themselves permission to experiment. And so I think that the kind of progress over perfection 
the idea of, you know, the the hypothesis and, and that we're we're gonna try some things. And some of them may not be the right thing. Maybe even maybe they're the right thing, but not right now for us. For um, uh, I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So in in the past I found this um this piece of writing by Reggie Rivers. And he was a a previous NFL player, and now he's a motivational speaker. And uh, he was on a YouTube, and it caught my eye because the title of his uh, piece was, uh, if you want to achieve your goal, don't pay attention to it. And, you know, that kind of that rocked me from what you're uh, usually used to seeing. And uh, he, he, he went on to, to explain uh, what he meant by that. And that was that if you focus on the goal, you may not be carrying out the behaviors you need to achieve the goal. But if you focus on the behaviors that you need, it's very likely that the uh, that that you will reach the goal. So his terms are that goals can be outside of our control, but the behaviors are inside of our control. And um, I'm wondering, as as I lay that out, if you see connections there to. Uh, to a coach working with a teacher. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll take your uh, Reggie quote and and uh, give you James Clear, who's one of my favorite authors of one of my favorite books, Atomic Habits. And he says, you know, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. The goal is your desired outcome, right? But the system, your your daily habits is how you get there. And, you know, he kind of points that uh, much of the failure people find in in their goal setting, like this time of this time of year, it's January. We've got all these New Year's resolutions. Once again, here we go. (laughs) Uh, Who's going to make it? Who's not? Who's already quit? Um, Who's already changed that goal, maybe? And um, he points out something really good is like we're, we're great at setting goals and saying, here's what I want. But we're not really good at looking at how are we going to do that? What behaviors need to change or stop or start in order for us to do that? And that's exactly what a coach is there to help a teacher do. They're they're there to help them not just provide resources and co-teaching model, but also to kind of help them think systematically about for their students and for them as an individual in this profession, what's your system and what changes to that system can we begin to make as we move forward? I like to use like a Likert scale a lot for when we're kind of thinking about how we're feeling if we're about you know student engagement. I, I like to look at evidence with teachers, but I also know that there's very much this kind of sense of, well, here's how I feel it's going. I've got this gut feeling. So I like to put a number to that with the teacher. And then in addition to the evidence that we collect, we're also going back to this overall number. So if we watch, I do a lot of video-based coaching in my line of work. And so we watch a video and, and all right, so on a scale of one to seven, how engaged do you feel the students were? And what evidence do we have to support this number you're about to give? And so let's say they identify it as, you know, a four. It was pretty good. It wasn't, you know, seven is is the most ideal, best lesson, most engaged students ever. One is not at all close. But now we've got something that we can start to look at. All right, we, we know seven is ideal, 
but how do we get from a four to a five? What's some, what's one thing we can change in our system to get from a four to a five? Again, taking the hypothesis approach to that, uh, what might make a difference? And then we try it, we record it, we look back to that scale and say on that scale, did we make a change or not? Why or why not? What evidence do we have for that? I think breaking it down with that teacher and helping them identify what behaviors or strategies are making a difference and which ones aren't, which ones have the potential, but maybe just need more consistency and which ones aren't kind of worthwhile for that particular group of students or that individual are really, it's a really helpful process and not one that an individual often has the time to, or the cognitive space to do on their own. And I think, again, that's where the coach is. The coach's job is really, we really shine in that messy middle with our teachers where they're trying to get from point A to point B. Not necessarily that we help them set the goal, but it's that we help them get to that goal along the way. Give me more of a description of the messy middle. The messy middle. Yeah, it's that (laughs) part where we see, let's, let's just use, for example, um, a partner first strategy, a think pair share strategy. I'm going to show you an example. I'm going to get. I'm going to show you this great video from you know teaching channel. I used to pull a video from the teaching channel all the time whenever I was talking about partner first activity. Um, we're going to talk about how it's going to go. We got a great plan. Plan A. The teacher does it and. It does not feel right. It feels like they're like a a fish out of water. Their students are kind of all over the place. It was messy. It was chaotic because the teacher's trying it for the first time, but also they're leading all these students in it, right? Yeah. And and, and they've got to try and try again. And and that's the messy part. It's the part like – Think, think about, you know, holiday. I host all a lot of our family holiday gatherings, and I'm very particular about when family can arrive because it's going to look beautiful when they get here. I love to host. It's going to be, it's going to taste great, look great. But if you show up an hour early, you're going to find me and your food looking pretty rough in that kitchen. So the messy messy middle. Yeah. We, I don't want someone with me in the middle of the messy middle when I'm about to host a party, but that's where a teacher, that's where the, that's where they need that support is someone to go. You got this. We've, we've got time. It's okay. You can, you, you can do this. That's that part that I think where we can build really strong relationships that are not only productive, but also kind of build up that individual as, as a human, as, as someone who's accomplished something great. You know, it, it, as, as I listen to that, it, it really pushes the, uh, the, the need for coaching because the likelihood of when you're focused on consciously carrying out a uh, teaching strategy to have the space to do all the observation about what's happening is like next impossible. So Uh whether it goes well or it didn't go well, you end up not having the, uh, the evidence or the data or the feedback to help you figure out why. And so that, that value of the the coach who's just observing and, you know, it's, it's on video. Now you've made it even easier for the yes. teacher to watch and see it him or her, herself as well. That's critical to the, to the learning process. So two things with that video, 
I would say more more so than a coach, uh, video first, because as you said, it, it allows the teacher to then go back and reflect and and see it so many times, thinking about that messy middle at the early stages of the messy middle. I have a teacher who tried something, they're like, I'm, no, that's not for me. It's not going to work. That it was rough. I didn't like it. It didn't feel good. But if we have the video of of that rough example, I can then, as a coach, help them see, you know, okay, yeah, I know that didn't feel great. It didn't look at like that teaching channel example over there. <laughs> um, <laughs> that teacher who who's, you know, that camera's always in her classroom <laughs> and she's been a teacher of the year for eight years in a row. But let's think about how it looked different from the first time. Like, do we still feel like students were more engaged? Do we see like helping them kind of identify like, no, it's okay. It, it's, it's, it's going to work out. Let's maybe try it again. Big part of professional development. I think about Tom Gutsky. He had a research that came out around coaching and he talked about kind of this, this chain of sequence of events that needs to happen for a behavior to change from the start of a professional development and the, and the value of coaching all the way along that cycle. We have to have the professional development, whether that's, you know, I see an article, I watched a video, I notice something's different and I'm looking for something different or my, my principal or someone in my district says, we're going to start doing this, this new practice. And so here we are to, I have to, to change something in my practice. I have to make a change, a change in the behavior. And then I have to see student outcomes in that. And honestly, for many of our teachers, if the effort to change the practice the first time is greater than the perceived student outcome, they're not likely to go yeah. forward in changing their behavior. And so that's that, again, that messy middle where the coach can go, okay, wait a second. Like, I know that didn't feel manageable or sustainable, but as we move forward, if we practice or if we change this or if we do this differently, maybe that would work. Or you're right, that's not going to be sustainable. Let's look for another strategy. That reinforces for me back to the importance of the goal. Yeah. If this is messy, why would I stay with messy? Yes. <laughs> the, the reason I'd stay with messy is the goal is the goal is important enough. And that's why it's so important that the teachers own that goal. Yeah. They're part of creating yeah. that goal because if it's if it's my goal, as if it's my goal, the coach's goal, it's not where why am I going to do all this work for you? For your goal, it has to be a part of what they value. And for some teachers, depending on where they are, in, in their profession or in their life, depending on the circumstances, sometimes that goal needs to be, I mean, we all know absolutely it should be about the students, but there are times in our lives as individuals that I need to protect my sanity. I need to protect mm -hmm. myself or I can't be there for my students. So that might be part of our motivation for our goal. Um, it, it doesn't always go back to the student immediately right and as a coach that's what one thing that we can also help do is make sure that the goal that we have that might be more teacher centered also has fruits towards our students well um Corey, i know that at uh, at sydney you've developed some uh, tools to help teachers with uh, with goals and uh, so yeah. let me give you a chance to kind of talk about that a little bit 
Yeah. So, so Sydney, uh, the wonderful company I work for, uh, I found, found them. I was a, a customer of theirs when I was an instructional coach and, and a specialist at a regional level in Texas. And then when I moved here to central Ohio, uh, we got to become a part of their team. Sydney stands for seeing is believing me. And that's at the core of what we believe. We want to really change the way people learn at work. And so at the heart of the the application that we have, we have a we have a, a mobile and web-based uh, platform that uh, teachers can use to record instruction, collect different types of artifacts for reflection is the kind of heart of what we do, but also to share that with a coach, a peer, a team, another individual to receive feedback, have collegial conversations. We try to make all of that easier. But in that work, uh, we know that there's a lot of power that comes with video enhanced reflection. There's so much power that comes from collaboration, but often there needs to be kind of this North Star, this guiding light for those individuals to continue to make progress. And so goal setting is an important part of, of the profession. And so we have some amazing new tools. We've, we came out with them first about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Um, I feel like the world keeps spinning faster the older I get, but uh, we've made some exciting new like developments along the way, listening to our customers. And our goals module is uh, really a powerful tool. It's evidence-based. So it's, it's more than just kind of this checklist, but we really do fall on, okay, you've got a goal, but what's the evidence going to be that might support where you are in, in making progress towards that goal, whether that's a reflection, a measurement, or actual artifacts. So make it really easy for teachers or coaches who are guiding teachers through the process to be able to set those, um, make them kind of time bound so we can say, okay, by next week, we're going to try this and it'll send a reminder to the teacher, uh, which is huge for me as a coach who's not tied to a specific campus. I I work virtually with everyone. Um, It really has been a powerful, powerful process. And I'll tell you, it's right where people are. Um, you know, we, we had a new release with our goals on January 1st of this year. And um, I just need to look at my notes. We were looking yesterday in our system and we've already had, I think, 219 goals created, which is is a lot in just yep. 12, 12 days where we are right now. So um, it's been really powerful. It's also a really good way for me as a coach to kind of see where all of my teachers are uh, as I'm working with many individuals in in their goal setting process or in their goal work, how, how far along they've moved. Well, Corey, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, have the conversation with me and uh, you want to tell uh, listeners the easiest way they can follow up to get uh, get more information from you? Yeah, uh, I would send you straight to Sibme. So again, it's seeing is believing me, S-I-B-M-E dot com. That's where you're going to be able to find uh, my information as well as more about the fabulous platform. Or if you're looking for instructional coaches to help your teachers through the messy middle, we have an amazing team of virtual coaches as well um, that can work with teachers, coach the coach, 
work with your administrators. Um, we really are kind of a full service solution for many, many schools. So yeah, that's, that's how you can find us. Well, thanks. Have a, uh, have a great uh, start on your new year with the, with the teachers, with those, uh, those new goals. Yeah. I appreciate I've got it. a lot of them. Take care. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to Steve Barkley Ponders Out Loud on iTunes and Podbean. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. I also want to hear what you're pondering. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Barkley or send me your questions and find my videos and blogs at barkleypd.com.